Okay. Well, thanks very much. Um, we've already got a chat that's come through. Um, hi from Cathy. Hi, Cathy. Um, okay. So what I wanted to do is firstly introduce the group for everyone that's, uh, that's uh, on the other side uh, of this um, event. Thanks for joining. Um, we've currently got just over 11, 11 participants at the minute. So thank you. Um, time is a bit of a challenge for some. I know in Australia, some areas, it's, uh, it's actually quite early. Um, in the UK, it's quite late. In the US, it's sort of late afternoon, isn't it? Um, Scott, I think it's around five o'clock. So um, in New York, at least, and mid-afternoon in, in LA and the other side. Um, what I wanted to do was introduce the uh, the attendees, the, the panellists today. So um, top left corner there, we've got uh, Chad Councilman. So Chad, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, obviously, Chad will be co-hosting these events. Um, we've got Scott Robertson, uh, bottom left, as you're looking at the screen. Scott, thanks for joining. Scott's the um, ARA, current ARA president um, and owner of uh, Robertson's Auto Salvage. So Scott, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself very quickly? Oh, uh, well, I've worked in this business uh, pretty much all my life. When I was in uh, high school, I started at the salvage yard. And, um, and then when I went on to college and I went to college in New York City, I, um, I bought cars for the yard. And then after college, I, I moved right into in, into working at the yard. So I've been here my uh, pretty much my whole life, and uh, I'm president of ARA, and I'm uh, and I'm glad to speak to everybody. Excellent, thanks, Scott. Um, bottom right, we've got uh, for those that don't know the infamous Peter Butler, uh, Peter Butler from uh, New Zealand, affordable and high Kia parts build. Uh, Peter, thanks for joining. Thanks for being a panelist. Excellent. Thanks, Chris, for inviting me along. Um, yeah, I've been in this industry since about 1994 now and uh, ordered in 1999. And uh, to be honest with you, the, the, uh, it's a great industry. We've, we've grown our businesses tenfold, you know, which is, which is really good for us. But, you know, something like this comes along and it, it just throws a different dynamic into it. So uh, what I'm hoping to achieve today is that uh, um, everybody that's listening to this can actually walk away with either something to help them out or uh, closer relationships between everyone involved in our industry, which, um, and we were just talking about it before, but in the States, um, they have a lot closer relationships going on now. And I'd really like to see that come into New Zealand and Australia and, um, and not treat everyone, or treat everyone as a friend, not as, uh, as a competitor as such. So yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I look forward to the discussions and I'll do what I can. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. And uh, Chad? Um, over to you. A bit of an intro for you. A little bit of a life change for you over the past couple of uh, couple of weeks Absolutely. or months, I suppose. So, Absolutely. Born and raised in the salvage yard, family business. Uh, had three locations. Um, me and my brother bought off the business from dad in '08 and uh, grew the business. And uh, ultimately, I ended up I worked my way up to ARA president also. I was the president just before Scott. And, uh, and then December 31st, just uh, three months ago, I sold my half the business to my brother and, uh, and then ultimately resigned my position as president of ARA to come to Australia. And I'm working with Chris handling recalls for Australia for Takata airbags. Uh, and so I've been here for about a month and um, getting to know everybody in the Australian markets. And uh, definitely a life change. I am currently separated from my wife and daughter. They're back home. My uh, daughter's soon to graduate from high school, and uh, the plan is to get them here for the summer, uh, which I guess is winter down here, uh, as, soon as, as soon as we possibly can. Excellent. Well, welcome to, uh, welcome to Australia, Chad. It's great having you here. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things. It, it is a small industry, um, a big, small industry, right? It's a small world uh, in the context of, of where we're at and what we're doing. And we're using these types of technologies. And I know Scott ARA has been doing a few uh, town halls uh, over the past six months and, and started doing a bit more of the, the Zoom type of call um, with uh, Vince uh, driving a lot of that. So I think that's great. I think it, it really makes the, the world a lot smaller having these capabilities. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, 
uh, you know, what's on the other side of, of this whole COVID-19 situation and total lockdown a little bit later on. But I think it will change the way we do business. It will change the way we work. It'll change the way corporates work. Um, but it'll have a flow and effect to so many other industries as well. Um, so uh, there are opportunities in that. There are threats in it. Um, but there are opportunities as well that I think we should all be aware of and, and look at um, look at how we position ourselves well so that we can take advantage of those in a, in a nice way, of course. Um, a little bit about why we're doing this. I think that's important. If I can set the scene a little bit there. Um, you know, one of the things, and I, I spoke to Chad probably three months ago and Paul Diodamo out of the US from RAS, um, and also Vince, and, and I think I mentioned a few things to different people about setting up something like this, whereby the industry can have a, a go-to place, uh, a podcast once a week, we get on a call, whoever wants to show up can show up, and you know it's great, we've got 24 people on at the minute, uh, which is excellent, So, um, and we've got more people that are watching the live stream um, on Facebook, which is, which is great as well. Um, but it's a place where auto recyclers can go to um, and if I can use the adage, it's, it's for auto recyclers by auto recyclers. It's, it's, it's about sharing information. It's about getting people from different parts of the world to talk, getting different uh, panelists on that can share something from their perspective and their, their world, I suppose. Um, and say, okay, well, this is what we're doing, or this is what's happening in the UK, for example, or in the US or in Canada or in Japan or in New Zealand um, or in Australia. And, and, we can all learn from that. I think these types of uh, events will enable that. And that's what Chad and I would like to achieve. Um, and that's what we're heading towards. Um, we want to keep it really positive. I mean, at the end of the day, we can't ignore what's happening at the moment. Uh, certainly is a challenging time. Um, we'll talk about some of that. But at the same time, there are so many positive signs for this industry outside of what's happening with COVID-19. Um, that I think would be remiss of us to to sort of ignore those. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy good, you know. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff I'm doing in the UK at the minute. I got off a call last night with one of the big insurers and, and eBay, and it was so positive. Um, yet, you know, it's a challenge because of these lockdown sort of scenarios, right? So, um, so I think that's the intention of of the show. It's about really bringing people together. We'll have panellists from insurance industries, from collision repair, from mechanical networks. We'll have panellists uh, from um, uh, auto magazines. In fact, I had Body Shop News yesterday make contact with me. Michelle Malik, who's the owner of Body Shop News, made contact with me yesterday and said um, uh, he'd like to attend as a guest one day and talk a little bit from their world. Uh, insurance companies, as I said, it'd be great to have insurance companies on talking to us a little bit about what's happening there. It'd be great to have the likes of eBay, who are a channel through which we sell and we depend on a lot these days, um, and some regions more than others, uh, attending and, and taking part and talking to us about how they can help us sell more parts as an industry. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, trade me. Maybe it's, it's an opportunity to get someone from trade me and so on and so on. So um, that's the intention of, of what we're doing here. We do want to make it positive. There are a lot of positives that we should be aware of and, and uh, could uh, make the most of. So I think uh, with that, I think we, we move into, um, I, I just put down three topics that we should talk about today. And again, this is very fluent. We'd like all the attendees to, if possible, um, in the chat, just write down their questions as you see different things being uh, spoken about and you'd like to talk about those or ask any questions on it, please do. Um, it'll be great to to get you, your, your questions out there and we can talk to those. So um, one of the first things we'd like to talk about is cash flow. Obviously cash flow, especially at the minute, I mean, you know, New Zealand's in total lockdown. The US is in, you know, fairly difficult times. Australia's sales are down at most automotive recycling facilities. So... <clears throat> Um, let's talk a little bit about cash flow and potentially some of the things that we can do to help ourselves in that area. So, um, Scott, can I hand that over to you first from a, a US perspective, from your own business, but also as the ARA president, what are you seeing there and what are some of those opportunities? Well, what we're seeing is that in certain pockets of the country, um, the uh, revenue into the yards are down 50%. Um, I've heard rumors that in New York City, in New York State, 
um, in New Jersey and Connecticut, summer cyclers are down 80%. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and these drops came overnight. Um, if they, uh, all these drops came, came within four or five business days. So you really couldn't prepare for it. Um, you know, it's sort of like going on the, on the uh, Sydney to Hobart sailboat race and, uh, and getting caught in some bad hurricane force winds and having a 25 meter wave come and hit you. Um, I mean, if you're a sailor from Newport, Rhode Island, you could handle it, but if you're Kiwi, maybe not so much, right, Peter? <laughs> you mean from the holders of the America's Cup, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but um, yeah, cash flow. Um, when you're faced with that, number one, you have a lot of sleep, sleepless nights. You know, um, it was the last thing I thought about when I went to bed and the first thing I thought about when I woke up. You know, how am I going to make this work? You're getting 50% revenues. How am I going to, how, how am I going to survive in business with 50% revenues with all my expenses? There's really only two places you can cut. You can cut in, 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 in payroll and you can cut in cost of goods. Cost of goods are, are uh, the, the, the cars that you buy to sell parts off. And um, unfortunately, you really have to cut both of them. Um, it's, it's, it's simple math. You have to make it work out. You have to do the math. I know, I know some yards, I get, I get an email from my yard in my area today that's closing for the whole month of April. Uh, you have to do the math and you have to see, am I worthwhile staying open or am I worthwhile closing? Me personally, I'm going to stay open. And um, I had a... I had one of my managers run up, run up to me first thing this morning and he says, Scott, I, I think we can stay open with eight employees. So I said, good, good homework. I hope, we, I hope I don't have to cut down to eight employees. And he goes, the good thing, Scott, is that you're one of them. I said, yeah, I kind of figured that. <laughs> but uh, cash flow, uh, what I've been doing is um, I've had a price lock on my scrap uh, until the end of um, March. And I've been, I, I, I shipped two loads today. I'm shipping two loads uh, tomorrow. And I shipped two loads last Friday. I told my guys, you know, to process as much as you can. I am uh, selling a lot of catalytic converters this week. Um, you know, in, in times like this, cash is king. You've got to fatten up the checkbook. That's the only way that you're going to get through it. You have to cut costs, somehow fatten up the checkbook, and, uh, and buckle up and, uh, and hang on tight. Um, we also have a GMC truck dealership that's at our uh, facility here under the same roof as the salvage yard. And uh, we're doing the same thing here at the, at the truck dealership. Unfortunately, we've had to lay off a lot of people. Uh, but you, 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 have to, you have to buckle in and um, you have to go to work. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be cutting my own personal um, salary. Um, and if needed, I'll have to cash in some of my retirement savings and put it into the company. You have to do whatever you can to save the company because if the company fails, there's no work to go back to. You're doing your employees a far bigger dis disharm to service if the company goes under. You yeah. have to save the company. So I think what, you, what you're saying there, Scott, is really it's, you know, you got to save the goose because the goose is laying, you know, the golden egg. So at the end of the day, Let's let's try and keep that goose well fed and and do the best as possible, make it survive through these times. So, all right, and I think one of the keys there is you know selling your cats, selling cores and scrap, obviously is something that can keep things going while your normal sales are, are a little bit down. Thanks for that, yes, Scott. Chris, but we've seen also, which uh, you know this also, but all auto recalls handles the recalls for the Takata airbags, and we've seen yards calling in left and right to, uh, to uh, sell the bags they have on the shelf and also get compensated for the previous airbags they've uh, crushed in the past. The businesses that have uh, neglected that idea for, for years, uh, now all of a sudden realizing there's some cash flow right there. And so we're seeing a, a high volume of, of businesses call in and do that. I know that's available in the U.S. through RAS and, and here in Australia through uh, a lot of recalls also. And it's just uh, been another way to, to kind of raise some some cash flow yes chad yeah that's those those are good words and i and i forgot to mention uh sell your small cores sell, smell you sell your big cores 
go through your accounts receivables, see who owes you money. Um, I had a body shop that owed me some money uh, since December, $2,500. We called them up on Thursday and I get the check today. Sometimes it's as simple as just making a phone call. Absolutely. Um, okay, so um, Peter, tell us a little bit about, I think it's a bit different over there, right? You guys are in total lockdown, so you're stuck at home. Maybe it looks like you're in your office at the minute, but we won't tell anyone, but you're supposed to be stuck at home. Um, so tell us a little bit about what that feels like and from a cash flow perspective there. Yeah, fair call. So, um, yeah, we're shut down. Our turnover is basically zero at the moment. Um, cash flow is managing what we've got and managing how we spend what we've currently got, to be honest with you. Um, there's a couple of facilities over here, and I, I'd recommend that, that a lot of the Kiwis already be on board with it, but um, a couple of facilities that the government have set up to help us out, and one is obviously uh, for payroll. So we have a payroll subsidy that um, that is payable out to to each and every business, and it's uh, so any business that's basically down 30%, which which is every business because we're all shut. Um, that's really carried us, or that will carry us through for our staff at a minimum level, but. To keep staff at a minimum level and actually keep them a job is probably paramount here. You know, for me, um, and I've done a number of things hunkering down just to just to weather the storm for what they say is the next four weeks, but could be eight weeks. Um, that's not really my vision at the moment for my cash flow. My cash flow vision is when we get started again. Let's hit the ground running. Let's not let's not let's not worry too much about now. Let's just get it tidied up. Make sure we can sleep at night, like Scott said, because I'm sure every business owner out there isn't sleeping at night, and I'm sure a lot of staff aren't either. Um, so yeah, for us, it's, uh, it's as far as cash flow goes, we've, we've locked in an interest only on our mortgages, which uh, the government put that in place with the banks, which made it, made it a lot easier for us to do that. Um, I don't suggest actually going on a mortgage holiday if you don't have to, because that'll bite you at the end of the day and hurt your cash flow further down the track. Down the track, so um, so yeah, we've locked in when we when we are ready to rock. We just hit the button and we can be interest only on our mortgage. That can save you a lot of money if you've got a big mortgage on your building or um, you know doesn't affect rents at this stage. But landlords are pretty open to negotiate, and that can help your cash flow for the next four or five weeks as well. So um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're doing. We've just we've just tightened the bolts down on every every single outgoing. Um, obviously, buying zero stock. I don't, call from one of our auction houses last week so um, just for those that don't know we got a um, the government announced Monday last week that we were going to go and lock down Wednesday night at 11.59 p.m. so basically we had two days up our sleeve the auction on Monday um, they rang me up and said hey what's going on these, these seem to have dropped in value and I said hell yeah they have I, I said uh, we're going to be in trouble in the next four weeks you know this is what's coming Cash is king, and, and I didn't even bid today. And uh, so he said, he said to me, he said, look, he said, uh, I asked him, are you going to carry on with the auctions? He said, uh, yeah, I think we will. I think we'll be all right, you know. Well, the auctions actually shut down, and, uh, and away we go. So the best thing I ever did was not, not buy those cars, because that just freed up a lot of cash for us last week. So, yeah, that's, um, that's how we've managed our cash flow. We've got other things that we've put in place, but they'll come up in, in later on in this, uh, in this session. So... Yeah, that's what we're doing, and hopefully some of that can help some people out there. Thank you, muted, Chris. Sorry, I was muted there. If you've got yeah. questions uh, and you'd like to ask those of any of the panellists, please do uh, do so in the chat. We've got one there. Kathy's asked a question. What can we do to prepare for the future? Are there any strategies we can employ? Um, I know it's hard thinking about the future at this point in time, I and mean, we're trying to stay alive, right? We're trying to just keep the businesses running, as, as Scott said there. Make sure you keep the goose that lays the golden egg fat enough so that there's something left at the other side. Um, but look, my view on that is that I think there are so many good signs, and we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a minute, but there are so many good signs out there for the automotive recycling industry. Um, you know, we're at a, a spot, you know, in time where outside of what's happened with COVID-19, we've got a whole heap of other really, really good things that are, that are out there, such as, for example, we've got insurance companies that are now looking 
to deploy new strategies around recycled parts. We've got the likes of eBay in the UK that's driving recycled parts um, like I've never seen before. Um, so that's that's critical. And it's not only something that the UK should be sort of excited about. I think it's, you know, the whole world should be excited about it because if it can work there, I mean, who knows where it goes beyond that. Um, so I think there are some really, really good things. So, but how do we prepare for that? I suppose that's the question. How do we um, individually as individual businesses prepare so that we can launch out um, once things are, I don't know, once the, once the virus, once the pandemic is, is dealt with and we're out of this uh, touch wood in, in the coming months, how do we propel ourselves in such a way that we can actually really get some market share and, and make you know, recycled original equipment parts, you know, the ROE parts that the ARA's been pushing that brand over the past six months. How can we make ROE parts one of these, you know, critical components of a, of a repair, whether that be mechanical or collision or whether that be what um, Mr. or Mrs. Smith at home as, uh, you know, retail consumers buying product off your websites, buying, buying product off eBay, um, it's a go-to product. It's a viable alternative to the dealer part. What are some of the things I suppose that we can do there? Uh, you know, over to you guys on, on the panel, to, you know, sort of chat. What, what are your views on that? What, what are some of the things we can do as an industry? Um, I, I think Scott and Peter have already covered a good bit of it, uh, but um, we definitely have to have inventory to sell. We definitely, it'd be a good time to review your electronic sharing. You know, that's something that uh, I did at my operation five or six years ago. I came back from convention. I logged in and to look and see, is my inventory sharing the way it needs to? I realized that, that I had roadblocks because my inventory was not being shared on platforms it could be shared on. Uh, made changes. Uh, I worked with, which in the U.S. it was URG and uh, APU Solutions, uh, Carpart.com. Everybody I possibly could to, to share my inventory everywhere I could. Our sales increased after that because I realized I had to put zip codes in to Parts Trader for them to know exactly where uh, I delivered parts to. I had to work with. Uh, uh, APU solutions for a delivery radiuses and a map and put it all together. And you've got some time on your hands now. You actually could could spend that time double checking all of the electronic methods of sharing your inventory. Uh, is everything set up correctly? I mean, go through a checklist. I put a checklist together for a, a yard in Alabama I was helping a while back. And uh, it was about seven or eight different things. And uh, I guess without a share of that, I'd be glad to share it with uh, anybody that asks. Uh, because it's it's definitely a lot of steps to go through to be sure everything is being shared electronically. Because when we do do get back and and sales are, are picking back up and going through the roof because we've got insurers now deciding they need a different stream of of parts, we need our stream of parts showing up in their systems. And so check today to be sure that your stuff is showing up the way it should. I think that that's a really really good point that I want to pick up on there. The U.S. has all that. The U.S. has APU solutions. They've got their different uh, methods through which to, you know, funnel the inventory on parts trader, for example, in the U.S. Um, the U, uh, the Australia and New Zealand, and and the U.K. for that matter, um, don't have the databases there that are designed well enough um, in order to to communicate that in electronically into systems. I know Peter, for example, from your perspective, you've got. Um, the uh, parts trader platform there, which is different to the parts trader platform in the uh, in the US, um, and you've got the interchange database that Hollander provides here in Australia and New Zealand, again, which is different to that in in the US. Uh, we don't have part numbers that are mapped across to those uh, different platforms, and I, I think uh, Michael Ray, the interchange manager, I think is on this on this call somewhere i won't throw him under the bus at the minute but certainly um there is there are things there that i understand um, hollander is doing from a perspective of oe part numbers but one of the things that we could possibly prepare and came out of the discussion last night with the insurer and ebay is how we can use this downtime as an industry in different regions to actually get our inventory right to make it as accurate as possible to enter part numbers into you know the alias sort of sections of our of our inventory, so that 
we can share it more electronically. So Peter, if, if, if there was ever a capability for parts trader and, you know, for example, you use Pinnacle in, in, the, in New Zealand in your business to communicate with one another, how would they map the right part to the right request? Um, obviously a part number would be a critical component to that along with a, an interchange number. So there are things there I think we can start thinking about at least. We're not gonna be able to solve them in four to five or six weeks. Hopefully it only goes for that long, um, the, the issue. But um, certainly I think we can start preparing uh, our businesses down that path. Yeah, you know, you know, Chris, it's um, just following on from what Chad and, and Chad said and what you've just said. Um, I remember last year, one of my key messages, and I, and I use this all the time, my guys here are probably sick of hearing it, um, but, you know, we have a lot of inventory in our businesses and, and New Zealand's probably got less interactivity with other electronic platforms than definitely than the US, like you say, in, in, in Australia. Um, so we have a lot of inventory on, on our shelves. Now, um, one of my sayings is you can't sell a secret. Now, you can't. And you've, and I guarantee you, no matter how good your business is, you've all got secrets on the shelf. Um, no, one, no one will buy a secret. They need to buy something that you need to put out there in front of them. And, um, and I think that's the key to this, you know, like the electronic platforms are the way of the future and we have to embrace them. We have to be able to get those secrets out in the marketplace. And from my business's perspective, I had a lot more secrets than most five years ago. And I reckon now I've got a lot less than most. So um, that's, that's been my number one focus and it's made a massive difference to our business. And I believe having those secrets out there in the marketplace will be the best way to bounce back after all of this has um, passed us by. <clears throat> Sorry, Scott, anything you'd like to add to that one? Sure. Um, you know, Chad really hit the nail on the, on the head with, when you talk about all this free time and downtime that um, you, you're potentially going to have. Uh, now's the time to look at all of your uh, trading partners and your settings with the parts trader or AP solutions. In, in the United States, um, you know, reach out to other recyclers that are in your area, uh, your friends or your friends' friends, and try to form some sort of a trading group or share data. Um, catch up on your training. You could um, go right on ARAU and and uh, catch up on your employee training and and uh, and at your training. Um, you know, uh, we feel in America that um, that that you know you you have to have a trained workforce. Um, we've had a lot of fires um, in our industry recently, um, and you know we're we're trying to train our the, the industry on how to depollute and how to handle cars properly. But but going back to uh, strategies that we can really employ for the future to sell our product that we um, uh, 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 have. Um, personally, I think it's a mindset, and I think after we after we survive through this coronavirus scare. I equate it to much like the Great Depression that the, the United States had. Uh, that generation, they were very frugal. They saved a lot of money and they looked for places to save money. And I think people are gonna look at our industry as a way to save money uh, when they fix their car. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we're worried at the dealership that um, when, when the dust settles that people aren't gonna wanna come in and spend $60,000 on a new truck, um, that they're gonna hold on to their vehicles, fix them and, and, um, and build up some savings. Cause I think this, this tidal wave hit a lot of people without much money in the bank. A lot of people had money in the stock market. A lot of people had money in their 401k that they couldn't get to, but not too many people had money in the bank for, for a cash reserve. And um, personally, I think we, our, our industry is gonna come out of this in much better shape than we went into it. I think what, what's uh, absolutely the case, and, and we all know this, that in normal environments, when I say normal, normal bad environments, that is economic environments in a, in a recession or in an economic downturn, for example, our industry usually does pretty well, uh, Scott. Um, the difference now is that we've got this thing called COVID-19 that we keep on talking about, which has thrown that curveball in, right? Um, so I think you're right. I think it is about preparing well um, because the global economy will be down for some time, let's face it, um, and people will be looking to save money. Uh, there is also no doubt in my view that um, 
you know, there are there are a heap of things that are happening out there that, um, as I said before, are supporting where we're going. So I think it's it's about taking stock. Um, it's not all negative. It's about managing this tough sort of period, and if that may be cash flow, manage that and come out of that, work out of that, right? Because we are in for some good times for those that can manage this next, you know, three to six months well uh, and prepare for what's on the other side of this because I, I, I'm very, very confident that our industry will thrive after that. We've had a couple of questions come through, one from uh, Hayden Davies, uh, ATF professionals in the UK. Um, how can we as an industry community support each other to help us through these times and come out not burnt? Um, I think a lot of what we're, what we're talking about right this minute, Hayden, uh, potentially um, support that question or answer that question. Um, the reality is that uh, it, it is these types of things that we're, we're talking about. It is about you know, preparing the part numbering, preparing your inventory, making sure it's accurate, taking photos of every part that you've got in stock. Now, yes, that means you've got to invest time and money while revenue is, is tight. But that's why you need to take some of these other austerity measures, if you like, within your business. Like, you know, maybe have a skeleton staff on. Maybe, as Scott said before, you know, he's looking at, um, you know, stopping paying himself for a little bit, you know, and, and that's that's big money for Scott. So um, you can just imagine. <laughs> he's going to save a lot of money. Uh, but Chris, one, yes. sorry, one thing just to add to that, um, to help answer that question a little bit, and, and we were talking about it earlier, is... Um, the dismantlers sticking together and paying each of the dismantlers for what they've purchased off them. That allows cash flow to go through the whole industry and it supports each other. Hold out the utility companies, hold out you know, your spices or your TV cable subscription, um, but pay the other dismantlers. Let's keep the money flowing within our industry. And I think that'll give us a bit, of, a bit more solidarity moving forward and it'll give, certainly give cash flow through the, um, through the whole industry. 100% guys. Absolutely, Peter. Yeah, we we have to pay each other. If we stop paying each other, our trading groups are going to fall apart. We're going to there's going to be mistrust between recyclers. The only way we're going to be able to get through it is 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 by uniting and getting stronger together. Yeah. You just mentioned trading groups, and, and that's something else that so many yards have have overlooked for years <clears throat> is brokering parts and and. Knowing that you only have uh, in-stock lookups 40 to 50% of the time, and, and you're saying no if you're not brokering, you're saying no 50% of the time. And so this may be an eye-opening time to look at the idea of brokering parts from other yards, to joining a trading group, to participating in, in shuttling parts back and forth and helping uh, move parts amongst other yards. And if you're not doing that, that's a chance to increase revenue radically. And so... Uh, I would I would suggest to look at that closely. I've noticed some yards here in in the Melbourne area um, are not trading uh, with other yards, not brokering parts. I know that was the case back in the U.S. also, uh, but it's a, a time to look at a way to increase revenue. You know, that truck's going out two thirds of the way full. You could have it full if you were brokering parts and saying yes more frequently. There's no doubt, uh, Chad. We've we've been and visited a number of yards around Australia, um, you know, over the past month uh, before we sort of had to stop traveling, but we went to a lot of yards and the reality is that there are a lot of yards that are still not putting their inventory in the system because we're too busy, right? I think as an industry, we need to start thinking a little bit more strategically and putting time into the key things, the things that are really important. Now we talk about the, the goose that lays the golden egg. I mean, we're just trying to take those eggs out every day and there aren't going to be any eggs left and the goose is dead, right? So we need to prepare the businesses we need to think about why do we have an inventory, a yard management system? We've got a yard management system. So yes, it can help us run the business, help us with the reporting, but critically, the inter-trading aspect of this and for New Zealand, for those that are on from New Zealand, embrace inter-trading. For those that are on in Australia, embrace the inter-trading opportunity. It's just crazy good. Um, you know, we support each other's businesses. We, we say yes to the customer. You've already paid you know, to have the customer call you, the, the marketing's happened. So now it's a matter of turning that call into, into dollars. Um, and you can do that by inter-trading. But the only way you can inter-trade properly is if you have your inventory loaded. So that's critical. Um, so I think that there's something that you can focus on. Put your prices in. You know, last year, from a technical perspective, we had to go to the market 
and put some rules in place about pricing. So take this time, go through your inventory, clean it up, make sure it's accurate, make sure your descriptions are good, um, price your parts, price your parts. There's two things to that, two critical things. One, it'll help your system spit out numbers that mean something that are of value. And two, you'll sell more parts simply because the people on the other end the other 200 pinnacle yards in Australia or 15 or 20 in New Zealand or whatever the case is anywhere in the world um, that are, are, are able to see one another's inventory, whatever system they're using, they'll be able to buy your part because they can see a price there. So please uh, take that opportunity. Um, we've had another... Chris, Sorry? Chris, just on that, um, there's a very, very valid point and, and I know a lot of yards in New Zealand don't, um, don't put inventory into their systems. So for every, and, and here's a simple way of looking at it that, um, that sort of brought it to the, to the forefront of my, my business thinking back in the day. And that is the more cars you buy, by not putting the inventory in, the more secrets you're creating, the less turnover you'll have. Absolutely. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. So. Yeah. I think from, again, I'm not picking on New Zealanders here. Um, we Aussies don't like doing that very often, but I will. <laughs> and no, I, I, got, I got my little friend here if I need to take you. <laughs> I want a snake from across the ocean. <laughs> you know, he, he spent about a week thinking about how he's going to do that. But anyway, that's hey, now, Last night I get home, I find the city now. I'm like, this is perfect for tomorrow because I know he's going to give us kiwis and jet. You're lucky I didn't find the sheep. <laughs> but on, on, a, on a serious note, I think uh, New Zealand um, does uh, has has a long way to go with intertrading, right? We we still have a lot of people that say switch us off. We don't want people seeing our parts, and I'm thinking, you don't want to sell parts, you know? Why are we here? Let's let's just let's just work together. I think that's critical. So, anyways, um, we've got a a comment there uh, from Phil Peace. I think um, Hollander does have some OE numbers and are working to build more, and that's true. I know that very clearly. Uh, we can store OE numbers that the recycler enters against individual part or IC. We have license challenges gaining the data, but there is nothing stopping the recycler's changing uh, change process and add the number that we can then use uh, to link third-party systems. So basically what Phil's talking about there is challenges that Solera has a, as an organization to um, uh, publish OE part numbers because of their other businesses that have the licenses to, to access these part numbers. And as a result, um, you know, publishing those uh, would breach their agreements, but there's nothing stopping uh, users putting part numbers in. And if you like crowdsourcing the part number piece, and then they can share that because it's not being driven through their uh, access to part numbers. Um, so good point, Phil. Uh, I know it's it's hard. It's hard for us as individual yards, uh, you know, to have uh, people doing the part number thing as well. So, anyways, um, okay. So excuse me. I'm looking at my phone every now and then because I've got messages coming through here with questions as well. Um, online economy 2.0 uh, for the automotive recycling industry and the new world. And what does that mean? Um, the reason I put that down is obviously I've been exposed to a fair bit over the past year with the working with, with eBay in the UK and, and that online economy. And certainly the yards in, in the UK do eBay really, really well, really, really well. Um, and they've got some beautiful yards over there. And interestingly enough, a number of them have actually shut their doors for the month of April because of this. Um, but eBay is a, a really big opportunity. Um, online is a big opportunity. I said at the start of this session that I think things are going to change. I think there's going to be a significant change in the way people do business. It's going to be a change in the behaviours of the retail consumer, of the mechanic, of, of the collision repair, of the insurer. Um, on what they want to do, both in the acceptance of the ROE part, but also the way they will be interacting with us. And I think this is where the online platform piece and being prepared for that is really, really important. Um, what are some of the things, I suppose, that we can do now to prepare for that online world? I've got some yards that are telling me that their sales are actually uh, steady, um, They've seen a decrease in sales from normal 
collision slash mechanical repair customers calling them in or or whether it's on a parts trader because of lower volumes or parts check here in Australia, whatever the case is, but they've seen a significant increase in their eBay sales. Um, significant. Uh, some people saying 50% growth within the first week that COVID sort of kicked in last week. So views, what, 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 is, what do the panellists think about that? Attendees that are, that are sitting and listening to this, please uh, send your, your questions through if you've got some or comments. But um, Peter, I know you're fairly strong with Trade Me over there and you look at doing things online and that part of your business has grown. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Chris, for sure. Um, in fact, that's the biggest growth area of our business is, uh, is our online and Trade Me. Um, I, think, I think what's actually facilitated that is uh, working on it consistently every single day and every single week and maintaining it. So don't put something up online if you're not going to answer the questions or you don't have a process in place to actually service the customers. Um, so the step one for us for doing that, if anyone wants to start doing that in a bigger way than they're currently doing it is, um, have the part in the system, have it priced, like you say, Chris, that's, uh, that's absolutely number one. Number two is have a photo and a good quality picture of every part. If you put a, you put a junk picture up in, don't get me wrong, I've got my hands in the air, I'm not perfect. Uh, but if you put a junk picture up, you're not gonna sell it over someone else who has a really good picture of that part. You've gotta remember the customers already think secondhand is junk. So we've just gotta change that perception and put up some good quality photos. And we've noticed a really big difference by doing those, basically those three things. You know, I wanna share something. I saw something the other day at a facility I was touring uh, it was actually in the U.S. I saw it, uh, guys, not too far from where my operation was back home. But he had a uh, one of his warehouse was set up with photo booths around the perimeter of the warehouse, and so probably was ten photo booths set up and had ten employees set up there. And those ten employees were washing the parts and getting them all prepared, and then putting them in, in a photo booth with a white background, taking pictures of every part in three or four or five angles, posting those pictures on, on uh, eBay to, to share everything. And that was his business model, was, was almost 100% eBay with no delivery trucks. He had no salespeople. Uh, he had no drivers, had no liability insurance for driving on the road. Uh, his cars were being hauled in from a third party. And so it was a different business model than what I had ever seen but he was making it work. He's a, a very large eBay provider in the US. Uh, he's spoken at several conferences, it, but I never had actually seen his place. And I was very impressed with how he had that set up. It was something I really have not seen in any other facility. I, you know, I've toured 200 facilities in the last uh, several years, never have seen anything like that before. Uh, and so many employees dedicated to putting stuff online and listing it. He told me that, that there are some vehicles they will photograph and, and uh, prepare 300 parts per vehicle to go online. Everything then gets boxed up into a box, put on the shelf and ready to go. All you have to do is pull it off the shelf, put a label on it and ship it out. And, and unbelievable what he was doing in 300 parts per car he was doing on some cars. And he was doing some really weird stuff. I mean, some older cars and some unusual pieces because he said that's what the demand was for on the online stuff. He, he was, he even shared some numbers buying a car for $300 and, and selling $18,000 worth of parts off of it through eBay. And so it just, it blew my mind when I saw that. And so it'd be something to explore some options on for sure. Yeah. I think, Ted, just, just to follow up on that. So we, as you know, we've got two businesses. We have two photo booths set up here. And they were, they were built specifically with, you know, the, the proper photographic lighting, everything set up so that the photos can be as good as they can be now moving forward. And I, I, that makes a big difference with the quality of product that we upload, that's for sure, 100%. So. I agree 100% with uh, what everybody said. Um, you do have to have good photographs. Um, photographs is another story. Mm. Um, but these are all business models. Um, there are lots of ways of making money in this industry. Um, I mean, you can't, con uh, you can't start tomorrow and say, okay, we're going to change everything. We're going to fire all the salesmen and we're going to sell everything over eBay. 
I'm sure that fellow that Chad was talking to, he is an outlier. There aren't many yards in the United States that do it the way he does. I've never seen uh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, most yards that operate in the United States are, they just grind it out. They inventory the car. Um, lots of times they don't wash the parts. Lots of times they don't, um, sometimes they don't price the parts. Lots of times we are our worst enemy because we just don't find time to do it, whether we're understaffed or we don't put highest priorities on tasks that we uh, can potentially make money. And it's not until we realize that those steps make money um, that we do them and, and, and take them to task. Yep. Okay, so I think the message there is that there is a, a good opportunity. It is a diversified business model. I think uh, you're, you're right, Scott. There are multiple ways to make money in this business or multiple ways to sort of extract value out of each salvage vehicle, whether it's scrap, whether it's cores, whether it's panel sales, uh, mechanical sales, whether it's, uh, you know, self-serve type sales. And then you've got online sales and then you've got, a whole heap of different opportunities, right? So we can do it, um, but you're right. I think we are our own worst enemies a lot of the time. Um, you know, we need to, you know, when I remember when I was in the family business and we, we'd, we'd get product in and I know they still do and, and it comes in and it's all dirty. You know, a door comes in, it's got an inch of grime on it. And it's like, well, how did you check that door before you sent it? Obviously you didn't. Right, so they need to clean it. They polish it. And in fact, they polish it. It goes out to the customer. It looks immaculate. Uh, one, because it's the only way to check it properly, and two, because you never get a second chance to make that first impression. And those first impressions, when a product lands at a customer's door, whether it's a a, a hood, bonnet, fender, guard, wing, whatever you call it in different parts of the world, um, or an engine. They need to be immaculately clean. Peter, you made the point before about online taking photos that are good. I'll give an example. When we first started doing eBay in the late 2007, 8, 9, around that period, um, we had a, a VT Commodore engine. We had one with low kilometers, but we didn't clean. And we had one with high kilometers that we made look beautiful. The low kilometer one was there cheap as a, as a buy it now option. The high kilometer one that looked really, really good uh, was as a, uh, an auction uh, bidding uh, deal and we started off like double the price of the, the low kilometer one. Well, the low kilometer one sat there and did not sell. Uh, the high kilometer one, a bidding war was created over it. Why? Because it looked clean, because it, you know, it presented really, really well. And what, that was a test case around what things work in this world and the, the reality is as a consumer you do it every single day we all do it and that is we look at the how a product looks we look at the photo and if there's any question around that um, we're probably not going to bid on it we're not, not going to buy it so they're the types of things that we need to do we need to think about that hey Chris there's a there's a saying in the United States that people buy with their eyes hmm. you're right yeah I think you're right so, okay, we've got uh, about 11 minutes left. Um, so what's on the other side of total lockdown? Obviously, New Zealand's there. Um, sounds like New York's close. Um, in fact, uh, Chad, we were on a call with uh, Becky last week um, and there was one yard there in New York that was just about there, but we're doing quite well with sales. Um, even if we don't go into total lockdown, we're in a position where we're just, you know, we're, we're as close to it as we're ever getting to get probably. Um, so what, what's there on the other side? And I think this is a, a critical discussion point here for all of us. And that is that, uh, as I said at the start, there is some significant opportunities. There are some significant opportunities uh, that are sitting there awaiting those that are well set up uh, on the other side. Uh, we're going, as I said, we're going to have an economy that is somewhat down for some time. And traditionally, the automotive recycling industry does well in that um, type of environment. Um, but we do need to make sure that, in my view, before I hand over to others, we need to make sure that we prepare well. We need to make sure that we're doing all those right things. We need to make sure that we um, are cleaning our products. We need to make sure our inventory is correct. 
if you can clean up your data, clean up your data. If you can price your parts, price your parts. Um, all those things are critical. And often in normal times, we don't have time to do those. You know, uh, most of these facilities, most automotive recyclers don't have surplus of people. We run fairly lean businesses. That's how they make money. So maybe it's an opportunity now to invest uh, some time over the next four to six weeks and get those things right. Um, because what's sitting there as, as opportunities on, on the other side, if I can use that term, is we've got the likes of insurance companies that are now seeing that they need to diversify their supply chains. Um, insurers are finding it more difficult. Uh, our collision repairers obviously are finding it more difficult to buy new OE parts from the dealer. Um, it's, uh, it's causing delays. Now, they're lucky, if I can use the term lucky in this environment, that you know, people aren't driving around and therefore their claims are somewhat significantly down. In fact, one of the insurers that I was speaking to last night in the UK suggested they were down by 70%. Their claims are down by 70%. Um, huge. In fact, they said 70 to 80%. I didn't want to make it sound so dramatic. But yeah, 70 to 80% down. And this is a big insurer over there. Um, now, what are they doing? They're actually doing a lot of work to prepare for what happens when everything goes back to normal. Um, and they're seeing that happening sooner than later. And I say that because there's, there's a bit of volunteering type stuff happening over there now. And they're expecting as volunteers get out there and start doing things, they're going to be driving around and accidents will start happening again. So uh, even so, we are seeing a diminishing number of OE parts available in the repair process. Um, I had a, a friend that was looking for a Peugeot 306 sump and it was sitting at the mechanic for three weeks because they were waiting for a new one to come. I made one call here locally in Australia to a yard literally 20 kilometres away from me and they had five of them sitting on the shelf, right? And they were waiting three weeks. Americans on the car, what is a sump? Oh, okay. What is a sump? An oil pan. <laughs> Very good. An oil pan. You Americans, you speak really funny, I tell you. <laughs> so um, the point I'm making is that there are, there are real, real opportunities. Um, we need to be ready for those. Uh, we need to make sure that um, we're in a position to supply that product um, in a quality fashion consistently at the right price, at the right time, get all those systems right. Um, because as I said, the Ebays of the world, the insurance companies of the world, they're all looking to grow this market. There is a, a significant um, sort of push to grow this market. So I think in that context, I'll, I'll hand over to the other guys about what they're seeing about, you know, what, what the opportunities after this crisis is over. Scott, can I, can I hand over to you first? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, this, this is uncharted waters. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how quickly the economy is going to recover. There's a lot of people, a lot of work. How quickly are they going to be reemployed again? Um, you know, uh, uh, conventions and conferences. We have a we have a conference coming up in, in, in Reno in November, and we're worried. Are people going to travel? Or is is everything going to be back to normalcy by November? Um, we really hope it will be because it's going to be a great convention, and I hope everybody listening goes. Um, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult with all the unknowns to plan and to see beyond the, the fog that we're in right now. But if we come out of the fog, like I said, I, I think people's mindsets are going to be different. I think people are going to want to save money. And that's why they buy our product, to save money. So it's, it'll be a natural fit. Yeah, absolutely. Peter? Um, yeah, I can I couldn't agree with Scott more. Um, our industry always thrives in a, in a tough environment, and uh, and I think people will definitely want to save money. I I think the other thing that's really really going to push our industry hard is that the OEMs um, probably haven't been manufacturing out of the likes of China now for um, since Christmas or December or even November, roughly for three to four months. Um, I think they're going to have a real problem getting their their product to market and I don't think they're going to have any product to bring to market. 
Um, and someone's got to fill that gap. And I believe our industry is absolutely placed to be the first off the first cab off the rank with that stuff. So um, that's an opportunity I see. Um, one other thing that I that I see has happened over here already is the OEM dealerships, um, a directive from Australia, um, have shut down all accounts for any any buyers of their products. So people are going to find it difficult to buy OEM now. They're going to have to pay cash up front. Um, when they change that ruling around, I'm not sure. But to be honest, I see that as another opportunity in New Zealand here. We have a lot of customers who have a lot of accounts with us. You know what? I pay cash up front for my parts. Every Everyone listening to this does. And I believe we should get paid the day we sell our parts. So I've always been an advocate of shutting accounts down. I'm not saying we should do that right now, but um, saying that that's maybe an avenue we should look to look at in the future. Um, because as we said before, cash is king. Getting paid now is always a winner. Thanks, Peter. Chad? Hmm. Oh, I Coming out of this, I believe we're going to have some some record sales. You know, you look back and you think about what happened in 08, 09, after the, everything went down. I mean, we set records. You know, I, I think about my dad sharing stories from in 1981, after we came out of a recession in the U.S. in 1981, sales were astronomical and, and he made money hand over fist. I think the same thing's going to happen. People are, are, like you said, going to be trying to save money, Scott. And, the, and how you save money when you're repairing your car is to use a recycled original equipment part that is 40% of what a new one is. And so you, uh, you're going to be trying to save money every way you can. We're going to profit from it. We've got to, to stand firm, stay strong right now, do what we can to survive, make it through. Use the government handouts if you can use the government handouts. Uh, to cover some expenses, keep your people. If you don't have people, you ultimately won't have a business. You come back. You've got to get the people back to working for you to get the volume, uh, to handle the volume you're going to have when we get back. Uh, so it's, you know, if I if I was still owning an operation today, I would be uh, I'd be looking at the the SBA loan deal that supposedly is going to be forgiven. Uh, I've read a lot about it. It, it sounds good. Uh, I, there's a lot of fine print there though. I'd be reading the fine print. I'd have my CPA in the middle of it and maybe a, a tax lawyer in the middle of it trying to help me make a decision on it. But uh, I, I'd be looking to, to do anything I could to, to maintain my employees because I know coming out of this, that business is going to be good. Historical trends show it's going to skyrocket whenever we come out of this. You're muted again, Chris. Sorry, guys, I was just uh, looking at a question that's just come through from uh, Chris. Um, further to Peter's point about shutting accounts, is now the time we look to try and use COD or Capricorn whenever we possibly can? Uh, good point. Uh, certainly, I've heard of a few people asking, for those that don't know what Capricorn is, Capricorn is a buying group where they have members who have an account number um, and they have suppliers. Um, and basically what happens is the Capricorn, as the buying group, guarantees the funds for the supplier if the member uses that account. So they give them an account number. Uh, when they call in, they say, hi, Peter, it's Chris. Chris's auto parts. I need that engine. They give them a Capricorn number. And basically from there, what happens is they, um, uh, they sell them the part and the supplier is guaranteed payment on the last day of the following month. Guaranteed by Capricorn, obviously less the Capricorn Commission. So um, I have had a few yards um, already talking to me about what they've done there, and a number of them are asking other recyclers to buy on their Capricorn account. Um, it may be an opportunity whereby you know if you've got normal um, account holders, Peter, you, you ask them if they've got a Capricorn account, and if they're willing to put it on that because that guarantees your money as well. My view on the COD piece. Obviously, you need to be very careful at the moment. Um, I think there are traditionally there have traditionally been enough uh, obstacles that get in the way of um, mechanics, collision repairers using our product. Obviously, we want the cash as quickly as possible, but manage the risk accordingly. If there are bad risks, then you need to get to get your cash or put them on a Capricorn account. If if you see them as a good risk, then I think you should look at some of those strategic customers. Make sure they're on good grounds and uh, put some credit limits in place and just talk to them and communicate with them. Let them know that you're gonna to have to deal with those credit limits 
and within those credit limits. Otherwise, that they won't be able to buy parts from you. So um, that's my view on on that. There. Um, look, we're we're coming up to the end of the session. We're just on nine o'clock. Um, firstly, I, I wanted to to wrap up by saying a couple of things. Um, Hayden from ATF Professionals uh, has sent a message there. Can you say a thank you to everyone, um, to all the companies out there who have reacted so well to the COVID virus for being responsible and reacting to the crisis? Keep safe uh, and keeping staff safe. Um, I think that's a critical message. I know we're all talking about the, the dollars and cents here with, with business and so forth. Um, and we need to because it's critical. It keeps people in jobs. It keeps, keeps the world moving, right? Um, but uh, I think it's also, uh, you know, something that we all as business owners and as uh, responsible corporate citizens need to make sure that we're, we're taking the right steps to ensure that everything we do is done for the right reasons and we keep our people and our customers safe uh, in these uh, current, you know, sort of very trying times. We don't know what's, what's out there. We don't know what this looks like in two weeks, two months, in two years. Who knows what it looks like, right? Um, but we do need to make sure that we, we keep each other safe. So keep on doing that. Um, I think uh, the other thing I'd just like to close on is the fact that we've had, you know, in excess of 35 attendees for most of this uh, session, which is great. Uh, I thought if we get 20 people tuning in, that'd be good for a first show. We've had 35 and they've come from different parts of the world. So thanks to everyone for joining. Um, I'd be really interested in understanding whether you got value out of it. I hope you did. Um, from a panelist perspective, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Peter, um, for, for taking the time. I know it's uh, Peter in the middle of the morning for you and Scott late in the afternoon for you. You want to get home to your, to your family. Um, so thank you very much. Um, I'll hand over to you guys for some closing comments and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll call it a day. So over to you, Scott from the U S great. Well, um, thank you, Chris, and Chad and Peter. Um, we prepared for this and had some fun and had some laughs mostly on Chad's, um, Chad's back, but, uh, we had a, it's it's been good and i i hope you invite me back thanks scott excellent we'd be happy to i'm on it again i'll be happy we'd be happy to have you back so um always good to know what's happening with ara that's the other thing i wanted to say i knew there was something and i forgot guys uh scott mentioned ara university before um if you're not members of ara it's it's not a huge fee i think you should look at it um, and I think this is a great time to put your people through the ARA University. It's an online learning tool for different parts of your business. Um, take advantage of it. The ARA has been really, really strong supporters of this industry and try to do a lot, um, a lot for the industry, not only for the US. They've got members all over the world, including Australia and the UK. So please support ARA, support the university, something that's really important. And um, yeah make the most of a really good tool that uh, Scott and the team at ARA have, have prepared for, for, for everyone. Great. Thanks. Peter. Um, yeah, no problem. I see um, Thomas has made a comment here. Thanks everyone. Really enjoyed it. Um, and looking forward to the next one. Got a lot of value from it. I hope you did. Um, I think the reason that the four people here are on this, on this cast is, uh, is to try and give you value and try and, um, try and help you through what you're doing in ways that we may or may not be doing but are going to try ourselves to do as well so um, yeah thanks for that appreciate it and um, yeah, certainly look forward to the next one myself um, I'd love to be on it and, um, and it's, it's good talking to these guys from that funny part of the world where they talk a little bit weird you know but hey uh, we <laughs> we can work through that can't we you know and then we have to deal with the, we have to deal with the little snake guy over there aren't we? <laughs> Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Happy to chat and um, yeah, look forward to the next one. Appreciate it. Chad, anything from you? Thanks, Peter. I'm just uh, glad to have the opportunity to try to, to help deliver some, some wisdom and some ideas and some thought-provoking conversations to the industry. Uh, my heart has been to help the individual uh, owner and help the businesses succeed for, for years and years now. That's been my goal. And, um, and, and uh, if there's anything I can do to personally help you, 
to discuss some ideas, to, to brainstorm. You know, I'm a previous owner that uh, had 75 employees and dismantled 75 cars a week. And so uh, I've been through trials and stuff before. And so if there's anything I can do to help you, I'm just a phone call away. Just reach out and, and I can help you. Um, but thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate Scott and Peter for being on the call. Thanks, Chad. Thank so guys, um, the next call will be next Tuesday. Um, we will be announcing over the next couple of days, we'll send emails out. Please look in your junk folders because a lot of these emails, we have no control. They may go into junk. So please look in your junk folders uh, for emails. Um, but uh, we'll be announcing our next speakers next Tuesday and time. We'll try and keep the time consistent, noting that we will move it around a little bit from time to time to suit different markets. Um, so... Thank you very, very much. As I said, the next one's next week, next Tuesday. Look out for the email with um, topics and who's going to be on that as panellists. Um, thanks for attending and uh, have a great week. Have a good day. Thanks all. Yeah. Thank you. See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.